Gospels. Turn the book of Psalm number 5. We'll read the text here in just a moment so you can remain seated for just a, a little while. i got some things that I want to I want to share uh, with you. Uh, but I uh, uh, appreciate the psalm, Brother Harvey, and uh, goes along with what I'm preaching on. Actually, lead me, O Lord. I believe that's the key to a better America is us following the Lord. Amen? And as you already know, if you haven't heard by now, tomorrow's Independence Day. I wouldn't know how you wouldn't know that. We've mentioned it a couple times. Uh, but uh, we celebrate uh, our independence uh, as a country. Uh, I've made mention already, I do thank God for our country. And uh, uh, one of the things that I am rejoicing in today uh, is a, a wonderful victory over Roe versus Wade. Amen? And uh, something that I... I think that we should uh, be very excited about, uh, yet let's not let our guard down. I guarantee there's going to be some uh, kickback from that. Uh, And I'm also proud to be a Missourian, and uh, their quick response to that. And uh, Do you realize that thousands of babies' lives have been spared just this last two weeks? Just to put it in perspective, amen. Hey, if we don't get excited about it, we need to, amen? And uh, so uh, I believe this, as I made mention to the young people. I know some people may not believe it, but I believe the history certainly shows it, uh, that uh, our country was founded on the things of God. And what I mean by that is not just religious things, but meaning the doctrines and teachings handed down by Jesus Christ to his disciples. Uh, I believe that with all my heart. I don't know about some of you that like history and stuff, but there's a book I believe every American ought to have, especially a saved America, uh, and it's uh, Americans. It's America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations by William uh, Federer. And uh, it looks like this. Uh, We've had these in, different speakers in that have had these books. If you don't have one of these, you need to get it. And uh, it's certainly got some wonderful quotations uh, from many people of the past, not even so long ago. Uh, concerning God and country. And I want to read one, uh, something that was written uh, back in the mid-1850s. And uh, it was written by a Frenchman. I believe he was actually a Canadian, but a Frenchman. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this, but Alexis de Tocqueville. And uh, as I said, he was born in the early 1800s. He died relatively young. Uh, but he made some comments, and I don't know if the man was saved or not, uh, but he did make a realization of something. In other words, America's connection of being great and its connection to uh, America's obedience to the things of God. And uh, I just got a few little things here. Uh, you know, he was pretty articulate, uh, maybe used some words maybe we're not com- you know, used to hearing. But I hope that you understand But he talked about religion in America, and he wasn't just talking about, generally speaking, he was talking about what the Bible teaches. Religion in America must be regarded as the foremost of the political institutions of that country. Amen. That says a lot. For if it does not impart a taste for freedom, it facilitates the use of it. In other words, he's saying that the workings of even the government back in those days had everything to do with what the Word of God teaches. Indeed, it is the same point of view that the inhabitants of the United States themselves look upon religious beliefs. What he's saying is is that not only was our government founded around these things, but generally speaking, the majority of the people also believe that way. Amen. Wouldn't that be wonderful today? Wouldn't that be wonderful today? 
He, he went on to say, I do not know whether all Americans have a sincere faith in the religion for who can search the human heart, and he's exactly right. But I am certain that they hold it to be indispensable to the maintenance of uh, Republican institutions. This opinion is not peculiar to a class of citizens or party, but it belongs to the whole nation and to every rank of society. And I thought that was very well put. He would go on to say this. He, uh, he said, I sought for the key of the greatness and genius of America. And this is where he said, I sought for it. He says, I sought for it in her harbors. Now remember, the mid-1800s, America was thriving. He says, I sought for uh, the key to the greatness of genius of the genius of America in her harbors, uh, in her fertile fields and boundless forests, in her rich mines and vast world commerce, in her public school system and institutions of learning. That's back when God was there. Amen. He says, I sought for it in her democratic Congress and in her matchless constitution. And now this is what he said. He said, I look for the greatness of America and all those things. And those are, were some great things of America. But here's what he said. He said, it was not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. This was a Frenchman that said this. He said this, and I'll be done with this. America is great because America is good, and if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Somewhat prophetic there too, isn't it? And so again, when I talk about America, that's the America that I hope we return to. And ours was a country that looked for the leadership of the Lord. It looked to the Lord for leadership. Precious Lord, take my hand, as we just heard the song. And this is brought out in our text. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, in reverence to the Word of God, if you're physically able. If you're not physically able, I'll certainly understand that. But stand with me, if you will. Psalm number 5. We're going to read the first eight verses. Just the first eight verses. And I want you just to kind of take in everything that we've talked about, including pastor's pals and some of the things mentioned already as we read these verses. We have here a psalm of David. But he says, give ear to my words. Notice that word, my. O Lord, consider, we see there again, my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my king and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt not destroy them that speak... I'm sorry, thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. That means lies. Uh, the Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. All those that want to support abortion needs to know that the Lord will abhor the bloody man. Verse 7, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. And we see there the title of our message, Lead me, O Lord. Now notice how, in thy righteousness. Why? Because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching, reading, even the teaching of the word of God this morning. Lord, I hope and pray that our minds will be attentive to what you'd have us to hear. And, Lord, that uh, I understand things happen, but no one will go in or out unless absolutely necessary, particularly during the invitation, Lord, when 
God is trying to speak to hearts. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to uh, grieve the Holy Spirit as he begins to work in the hearts of folks. And so, Father, again, just help us to be patient and to understanding and to uh, be looking for what you'd have us to hear this morning. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. As I said, this is a psalm of David. I believe it speaks to us really in two major ways, these first eight verses particularly. Uh, but uh, first of all, we saw their warnings for those who, who know not God, those that are enemies of God, but also some encouragement for those that want God's leading in their life. I mentioned during Sunday school this morning that I appreciated our teen camp uh, this week, and uh, they really preached to these young people and talked to these young people like they were young adults, and, and I was thankful for that, and, and uh, because, uh, you know, pretty soon they will be, Amen. And so I was excited about that, uh, but every believer should understand that they, uh, as an individual, should desire to leave a God-led life. Amen? And that's what was exemplified there at uh, teen camp, but it also needs to be something that we want. Now listen, that's the key to saving America. Amen? That's the key to it. You know, you can be a good American but not a good Christian. And if you're not a good Christian, you're a part of the problem with America today. So, so that's why it's important that we, that we get a hold of this and, and we all should desire to live a God-led life. Mostly for the sake and the glory of God, but also it will certainly bless a, a nation uh, as well, as we'll, we'll see here in just a little bit. So I want to look at all this, and, and we're just really going to, uh, take our focus off off the United States of America and really focus where we need to focus concerning God's leading. And so, if, number one, we're going to see that God's leading is personal. I've made mention of late that God doesn't see a flock of sheep, but he sees us as individual lambs. And I believe that to be true. And I made mention there, I kind of accented the words my and I several times there. I hope you caught that. And we see that through verses 1 through 3. I'm not going to read them again, but we notice the eyes and the my. And, and so this tells us that God's leading is personal. David was wanting his personal, um, uh, was wanting God to see his personal relationship with him. Uh, and God, that God was, uh, wanted God's particular attention on him. My and I. And when it comes to matters of salvation, certainly it's a personal matter. And I don't mean private or secret. I asked somebody just here recently, we was out on visitation, and I asked them if they were saved, and they basically said that that was their own business. <laughs> I've had that happen before. So we're not talking about a personal matter as far as being private or secret, but it's independent from others. In other words, we need to be paying attention what we're doing or not doing for God more than we might be paying attention to what others are doing or not doing for God. Amen? And I believe that to be true. And what I mean by that is the Lord paid my sin debt. You ever think about that? He paid your sin debt. He paid my sin debt on my behalf, and I had to decide, you have to decide to believe it. Amen. That's what I mean. It's a personal matter. And after we make that decision, then he guides us as individuals. 
And he does this certainly by uh, his Holy Spirit. He does this by the Word of God. He does this by other believers. Uh, He does this certainly through the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. He does this even by circumstances as well. And so he leads us and he guides us, again, as individuals. And we learned why, but we see it also in Psalm 32, 8. I have it here written down. I will instruct thee, God says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. So God says, he's telling us here that God's leading is personal. God's leading us. And so I think that's important to understand. So it is personal. God's leading is provided. And certainly his leading, I believe, first of all, comes by prayer. Um, I believe probably one of the things that's hurting uh, the church more than anything is the lack of prayer. Not, you know, I'm just saying that we could all spend, myself included, a lot more time in prayer. And sometimes we feel, though, I think a lot of people don't pray because they don't know what to pray for. And I've been there. I mean, that happens. I encourage you to get the prayer list that we go over on Wednesday nights. And by the way, we have prayer time on Wednesday nights. You ought to come and be a part of that. But sometimes our hearts can be so burdened that we can't find the words to express ourselves. In other words, yet we desire His leading. I I understand that. And, And I think probably all of us have been there. Now, I want you to hold your place in the book of Psalms, chapter 5. I want to just do a little teaching here on Romans, chapter 8. So turn to Romans, chapter 8, and I just want to talk about a couple things here uh, about prayer, because I believe that if we don't understand prayer, we're going to really miss a lot of things as far as God leading us. And so I just want to spend a little time on this, Uh, not too preachy, but more of a teachy thing, but I think it's important. Again, his leading comes by prayer, Yet sometimes, you know, we get ready to pray and, you know, there's just so many things that are running through our mind. But I want to encourage you with some verses of Scripture here. Look at verse 26. And we find here really a teaching on the Holy Spirit of God uh, as an indwelling intercessor for us. In other words, this is for saved people. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit of God. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not a force or an energy. The Holy Spirit is God. Amen. So likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Here it is, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit itself, maketh um, intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, we just don't know what to say. Verse 27, And he that is referring to God that searcheth the heart's knoweth what is in the mind of the, notice what is, the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit of God. Remember, the Holy Spirit of God is interceding for us because He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So God searches our hearts, verse 27. He searches our hearts, uh, that is, through God the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is communicating to the Father the desires that the Holy Spirit of God has produced in our own hearts. So prayer is all about yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes we're praying for things. We want certain things to happen, but God the Holy Spirit knows that that wouldn't be for our best advantage. But God does tell us to pray. But the Holy Spirit gets it all worked out and gets it said right before it goes to the Father. Amen. That's why God sometimes blesses us despite us, (laughs) if you understand what I mean. Amen. 
And so I praise the Lord for that. And so as we go back to uh, Psalm number 5, again, I, I believe all we have to do is know that God will hearken to the voice of our cry, our groanings. Maybe we don't really understand it all, but the Holy Spirit of God does, and He understands, even if we do not understand it all, and His leading, to get back this, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit knows what we need more than we do, but my point is, is that His leading is provided. And if we want what's best for our own lives, if we want what's best for America, we need to be men and women of prayer. But I'm afraid a lot of people overlook this provision of prayer. I'm focused, there's others, but I'm really wanting to focus on prayer for a little while. You know, I believe that any reasonable thinking person, you know, if I was to say raise your hand, you don't have to, but I would say everybody raise your hand that wants the will of God in your life. I would hope that everybody would say, yeah, you know, I want the, who would say, no, I don't want the will of God in my life. That would be kind of silly, wouldn't it? Um, I believe that most do want the will of God in their life. Uh, I believe they want to serve faithfully. They do want to be a blessing to others, but fall short at times. And I suppose we're all guilty of that to a certain degree. Uh, and sometimes we set out to do those very things, um, yet they we don't always have the right spirit about it. Do you know that you can do the right things for God, but do them in the flesh? Do you know that? You know, you can teach a Sunday school lesson that might be doctrinally correct, but you could do it in the flesh. You know, I could get up here and preach a doctrinally correct biblical sermon, but I could do it in the flesh. Yeah, we're, we're probably all guilty of that in one degree or another. And so, so again, we, we, we try to do, the, we want the will of God, and we set out to do those things, but we have not the right spirit. We do it in the flesh. We do it, but, you know, there's an edge to it. We need to be careful about that. I mean, we're busy for the Lord, but I think of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.20, joy, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's none of that. Usually what that ends up being is we're busy for God, yet we're unhappy. We're not satisfied. We're not content, even in our busyness with the Lord. And we often respond to trials in life in an unbiblical way. And, and, and again, it's, we're overlooking God's provision when we do that. We've got to ask the question, okay, preacher, how can one be in a great work but be miserable? And that happens sometimes. Uh, and I think one reason is, is we're substituting activity for spirituality. In other words, we overemphasize our, you know, we're not right in some things with God, but we think we can override that with our busyness in the Lord. Oh, that's just a disaster waiting to happen there. And so again, we substitute busyness, we substitute activity for spirituality. Busy, being busy and active, and I think every believer ought to be busy and active, but it's not the provision we need, that's a result of yielding to the provision. When you yield to the provision that God gives, whether it's prayer, the Bible, steady in church, those types of things, the result will be that you'll be busy in the things of God. But we have to accept the provision, we have to accept God's leading. It all has to be about God and not ourselves. So how do we obtain that provision? Notice verse 3. Notice verse 3. Psalm number 5, verse 3. I like this verse because I think it's practical. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. Let me read that again. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, David says. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. What's David saying? He says, I'm praying to God in the morning. O Lord, in the morning 
will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, the Bible says. So I understand sometimes schedules are different, but whatever time it is that your day starts, I just want to let you know, and there's other Bible verses that we could go to, God wants to meet with you first. Amen. Most of the time, I'm guilty of it as well. But uh, if we're in the habit of just getting up in time to head out the door, you go on to face this world with no time with God, no time for prayer, no time for Scripture. You face this world as the day goes on, and you will get beat down with discouragement, temptations. And then we come home, usually in a not-so-good mood, because nobody does what we want them to do, amen? <laughs> if everybody would just do what I want them to do, things would be better, right? And so we get up, basically in 10 or 15 minutes, head out the door, go about our day, we come home, unhappy, discouraged. Then we sit, and we fill our minds with worldly TV or whatever electronic device of your liking, until late at night, then we go to bed, and then do it all over again the next day. Oh, Lord, lead me. Hey, listen, that, that's not being led of the Lord. You've got to have a personal relationship with God, amen? And the thing is that God has all given us the same amount of time in a day, and he's provided his leading. But I want you to understand it begins at the beginning of your day. God wants to meet with you first. And I've taught on these things, not going to do it today. I may mention them, but he wants you to meditate. You know, even if it's just a passage or one verse of Scripture, uh, prayer. Tomorrow is a holiday. So, you know, nothing wrong with sleeping in a little bit, but maybe when you get up in the morning, maybe you can have your independent day, amen, with God, just you and him. Get you a good King James Bible and a, I would recommend a 1828 Webster's Dictionary and meet with God. Your personal independent day with the Lord. Might be a good day to start that tomorrow if we want what's best for America. That's where we need to head. Amen. I think a Sunday, you know, Sunday is not the last day of the week, but the first day of the week. I think we forget that sometimes, don't we? Sunday is the first day of the week. It's the morning of the week. Sunday. So be in your place each Sunday, and all of God's people said. Ending your day with the Lord's leading, I believe, is also important. Uh, maybe some of you have heard of this preacher. He said this years ago. He's still around, still doing a great job, Clarence Sexton out in Tennessee. He said this, There's not a spiritual man in the world who watches TV late at night. Golly! I'm guilty. You know? I've set up and watched the Duke until 1 a.m. in the morning. Amen. That's John Wayne. For I believe he's right, though, ain't he? I believe that he's right. You know, man, today, now that was a long time ago. Today we got other things besides TV to keep our minds occupied. Again, not a spiritual man in the world, the preacher said, who watches TV late at night. And certainly we need to be careful with our ear gate and eye gate and what we read and watch before we lay our head down at night. And I believe there's a spiritual truth to this. When we, we need to shut our eyes with our minds and our thinking on the things of God. Amen? 
so that we can be ready to meet him in the morning. I believe there's a practical application to that. And the point is, is that all this is provided by the Lord for us. And there's really no reason why we shouldn't do it. It's not that we can't, it's that we won't. And again, if we want America to be great, we've got to start. We've got to start here. God's leading is provided. Take advantage of it. The Lord's leading is plain. What I mean by plain is it's simple. It's very easy. You know, we make serving the Lord and understanding the Lord so hard so many times. I believe that how God feels is very plain. Um, there is a wrong and there's a right, and God has deemed both so. Do you believe that? you think there's any gray areas with God? No. He says, this is right, this is wrong. It's not up to man, it's up to God. We read there in verses 4 through 6, verse 4, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. And he goes on to say, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing, that is lies. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. God is not pleased with those who live a sinful life. God does not wink at our sin. Amen and amen. But he is pleased with those who look to him for guidance. But as for me, verse 7, I will come into the house in the multitude of thy mercy. This was written in the days uh, of the tabernacle. Um, He says, uh, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercies, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. He certainly understood the significance of, 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 of following God, of, of the Lord's understanding that the Lord is leading. You know, uh, the specifics, I realize, take time to understand at times, but knowing what God wants, listen, is not difficult. And the reason it's not difficult is, is that there's too much at stake. In other words, God, hey, listen, God doesn't want us to be overcome by our enemies, so He makes what He says plain. Amen. Lead me, O Lord, verse 8, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Make it simple. And God does. There is so much that God is very simple, very plain about. So we have to ask the question, why do most Americans today, in my humble opinion, make it so hard? I'll tell you why we make it hard. You know where a lot of this false theology comes from? It comes from people that don't like what God says. (laughs) When God says he hates A, B, and C, and there are others that don't hate A, B, and C, then they begin to change what God is saying. Amen. We don't like the guidance that he's giving us. And so all of a sudden, a very simple command, amen, about the sanctity of life, perhaps. The very simple command about the abomination of a man lying with a man and a woman lying with a woman. Very simple, very plain to understand. But there are those across America that stand behind our pulpits and says, let me tell you what this really means. And they'll Greek and they'll Hebrew the meaning right out of it. Amen. God is very plain. We make it hard because we do not like what we hear or see. I don't like what that church preaches. I'm going to go down here to this church. 
I'm going to go over here to this church. So I kind of find it just like I want it. And often we just don't like the leading that he's given us to, to follow. Does God make it really clear? We talked about some things in Sunday school this morning. I really hate we got some parents that are missing Sunday school. Does God make it clear who he wants us to marry? Yes. Amen. Does God make it clear where he wants us to go to church? Let me, first of all, does God make it clear you should be in church? Yes. Does he make it clear where I should go to church? Yes. Does God make it clear that a believer ought to tithe? Yes. Does God make it clear that we ought to dress modestly and appropriately? Yes. Does God make it clear that I ought to be a participator in a church and not just somebody that shows up from time to time? Yes. God makes it clear. But we just don't like his leading, even though it's very plain. It's our obedience to it that makes the difference. And God will bless the nation whose Lord is God. And that doesn't mean just giving mouth service. That means actually obeying him. And again, why is this all so important? Verse 8, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. You know, there are a lot of people out there, even in our leadership positions, that do not like the America that I was talking about a while ago. And they're doing everything in their power to destroy it. And a lot of people are being drug along. That's why we, Psalm 27, 11 also echoes what Psalm 5, 8 is saying, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. So don't get all sideways about the things that you're seeing that you don't like to see uh, when you yourself aren't obeying God either. We got an enemy out there, and all you're doing is giving him more fuel when you don't obey God. Amen. Amen and amen. My point, God does not make his leading difficult because there's too much at stake. There's an enemy. God makes it plain as what we're to do. We just need to do it. Amen. Verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in what? Thy righteousness. Finally, number 4. The Lord's leading is pleasant. So far, we've talked about his leading is personal, is provided. It's plain. It's easy to see. Now we see it's pleasant. We think of that wonderful hymn by John Newton, Amazing Grace, through many dangers, toils, and snares. The Christian life is not always easy, and we do go through a lot of difficulty in life. You know, we weave back and forth with trouble and blessings. We, we understand that. We didn't read that verse, but look at verse 11 there in Psalm number 5, verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful to joyful in thee. Now this isn't talking about just saying, I love the Lord. This isn't just about lip service. You have to put this in context really of the whole psalm. And certainly we've talked about here, these are people that are that are engaged in the things of God. These are people that are looking to God's provisions. These are, are people, uh, again, that, that have a personal walk with God. They're, they're giving what God has provided them. They're emphasizing what God emphasizes. They de-emphasize what God de-emphasizes. They understand that His message is plain, and it has to be followed 100%, and they understand that when they do that, there's going to be some pleasant things in their life. And when you don't do that, there'll be some unpleasant things in your life. 
And so we should be a joyful people. And no matter what we might be going through, there ought to not be a day go by that we don't praise God. Amen. I believe that. We all go through stages in life, your preacher included. You know, there's times when, you know, I think of the old, well, a lot of new dirt bikes and stuff. There was a time when most motorcycles had to kickstart them. You remember those? Blah, blah, blah. Then it start for a second. Blah, 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 blah. Then when it would start, it'd have a miss. Then die again. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Just want to ask a question. Are you tired of kick-starting your life every morning? You know, you kick and you kick and you kick and the engine just doesn't get going. I guess what I'm asking is, do you want to be happy in Jesus? I want to be happy in Jesus. Now, a lot of times I'm not, and it's... Really my fault, not his. What what I'm trying to get you to understand that if if you're not happy in the Lord in your normal course of life, then you're not understanding some things about this message that you need to get a hold of. Because his leading, not only is it pleasant, but I believe it's a blessing, but, but it's also energizing, it's also powerful. And I just want to encourage you, if you're struggling in the things of God, if you're struggling with worldlyism, if you're struggling with just being faithful to the Lord, I just simply begin by plainly taking what He has provided and commune with Him, even as we've learned here at the beginning of each day. Begin to understand the importance of prayer life and your devotion to a local New Testament church. Develop a time of prayer I haven't talked about worship, but certainly we need to mention that as well. Maybe we'll do some preaching and more teaching on that sometime. I did last week. But I want you to understand that God is poised and ready, even at this moment, to lead you in paths of righteousness. The fact of the matter is, if we want a better America, we've got to start with ourselves. Amen. So how is your relationship with the Lord? He leads us in righteousness. And in other words, what that saying is, is He'll give you favor. That's a pretty pleasant thing when God gives you favor, isn't it? Nothing can, hey, this world doesn't have anything to offer me that can outdo the favor of God. Amen. Amen. We, well, I, I was going to say we sang that song last week. I tried to sing it. I was failing miserably. But what a great song, A Child of the King. Are you a child of the King this morning? I'm almost done, so bear with me. When we sing that one stanza, I'll say it, not sing it. My father is rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands. Of rubies and diamonds of silver and gold, his coffers are full, his riches untold. And I believe that to be true, and I believe that God wants to shower us. And I'm not talking about peace and prosperity. I'm just simply talking about the measure of his blessings toward us that really cannot be measured with anything that's tangible. I'm a child of the King, a child of the King. With Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King. And I hope and pray that you can say that or sing that song. And if you are a child of the King, 
again, are you taking some of these things that we've talked about this morning? Imagine, imagine a country, imagine the United States, full of citizens who are children of the king, amen? Why, I believe we could turn this country around in a matter of weeks, amen? I believe that with all my heart. I believe if everyone in this room just took a notion to really let the Lord lead them in every aspect of their life, that this church would triple in a matter of weeks. Amen. And I believe that if a church gets on fire, it can get a community on fire, and you know the rest. My God's able. He's not waiting for lost presidents and governors to get right. He's waiting for us to get right and to be led by Him. And when we see something that's not right in our life, to give it up and to follow Him. That's being led of the Lord. And quit blaming other things and other people and circumstances. Just get right with Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, lead me, oh Lord. Are you? I believe the king's waiting to lead all of us, to guide us. I believe you can be saved this morning and on your way to heaven, but that don't mean you're following God. His leading is personal, it's provided, it's plain, and it's pleasant. Let us all be able to say today, lead me, O Lord. That's the hope of America right there. As our pianist comes, we all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. I just want to say a few things and... We'll give the invitation. She may begin to play softly. and If you need to come at any time, you step out and come. But I do want to just ask you a couple of questions. Let's focus in on these last few minutes. No stirring around and shuffling around and zipping Bibles up and stuff. Let's just listen here for just a moment. We're almost done. My first question would be, do you need to be saved? Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll never be able to apply these things to your life as we've seen them. So you need to come get my attention and we'll take someone, get someone that is, to take the Word of God, show you how you can be saved.